Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Praise God. All right, well, let's open up our Bibles. Let's jump in. You know, we've been over in Ephesians chapter 4. And so, so as to not be tempted to talk about that again tonight, uh, let's uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> or you know what? Yeah. Yeah, for, well, you know what? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Then we'll, then we'll run over possibly run over to Romans chapter 12. So we have talked about uh, ministry gift gifts, um, and we, we certainly could talk about it more. Uh, I, I, I've, I've taught on the subject many, many times, and it's an inexhaustible subject. You can literally get in there, and the Holy Spirit will keep telling you stuff concerning the word there, indefinitely. Um, but uh, I do feel like that the Lord is telling us the things we need to, we as a church need to hear. And um, how many of you um, are implementing or, or uh, at least changing your thought processes and your, your perspective on these things? Good. Because that, that's, you know, if we're not hearing the voice of God, it's usually because we need to... <laughs> We need to tune in. My one of my pastors, he was talking about how the Bible says there are many voices in the world, and 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 he and he said this. He said there are many voices in this room, and I thought he meant the people you know that were in the room. He said even even if there was dead silence in here, there would be many voices in this room. And he pulled out a radio, turned it on, and started tuning into the frequencies of these voices. And we, you know, we can't, there are lots of voices being broadcast through this room right now. Uh, we're not tuned into all the frequencies that those voices are broadcasting on. You know, Gil brought me a radio last night and for a moment we tuned into a frequency and we started to hear someone speaking. We couldn't make out what they were saying that they were speaking. So um, much of the time, it's not that the Lord is not talking. We're just not tuned in and hearing what he's saying. And so what we, what, what, what we've been, what I've been teaching. And, and I think this is where people have trouble because they're like, well, you know, I've had people, I've had people this way. And it used to happen to me. Um, people would say they were going to, you know, help on a certain subject and they would, and it would be a subject, for example, miracles. We're going to talk about miracles. I'd be like, yes, you know, I, I, you know, I would go expecting the spectacular. And, um, and then uh, after hearing, you know, hearing this individual expound upon uh, the miraculous, I, sometimes I came away from some of those meetings disappointed because I was expecting something different than, than what, I, what, I, uh, what I got. And really what they were doing was they were trying to uh, uh, lead, 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 uh, God's people with the word of God and not with some kind of ooey gooey, you know, you, 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 I, th I hope y'all know what I'm saying. All right. So anyway, let's, let's, let's jump in here before I talk too much. So first Corinthians chapter 12, uh, let's start with verse one and I'm going to, Let's read it in the English Standard Version. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Amen. And so um, now I've, I've told you all this before. That word gifts, if you look at it in uh, the King James Version, in most 
uh, most versions of the Bible, that word gifts is italicized. And the reason why that word gifts is italicized is because the, uh, those that um, translated these verses, uh, the King James Version, um, they added that. That word wasn't in the original. So when, that, when this scripture was written, so if you ever write that, I mean, make a note of that. If you ever see a, a, ver, a, a verse of scripture and you see words that are italicized, those words weren't in the actual translation of that verse. They were added by the translators in order to kind of help people to gain understanding. And sometimes they did us a disservice. Like in this, I think in this case, it, I guess if you don't know, it could do you a disservice. Because Paul wasn't really talking to the Corinthians about uh, spiritual gifts alone. He was talking to them about the things of the Spirit. So here's what he was saying to them. Now concerning spiritual brethren, or now concerning the things of the Spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed. I, uh, English Standard Version is much more polite. I don't want you to be uninformed. <laughs> King James is like, don't be stupid. Um, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now look what verse 7 says. To each is given the manifest, uh, manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So uh, who, are the, who are the manifestations of the Spirit given to? To each of us. Amen. It's the same thing over there in, uh, in Ephesians. Um, unto every one of us has been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Um, every one of us have been given grace, unmerited favor, authority, anointing, endowments, uh, every one of us, the manifestations of the Spirit have been made available to us. Uh, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the, uh, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same uh, by by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between sp spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the self, or, or, by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he will. Amen. And so these manifestations of the Spirit are given as the Spirit wills to each individual. Amen. Uh, for just, and this is the part of this that we want to get to. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through though many, are one body, so is it with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of a one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less a, uh, any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Amen. If, if, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so uh, you get the picture. There are lots of different, there are lots of different um, things that the Lord has called all of us to do. And we want to discover what it is that God has called us to do. And, and I want to I make mention of this, and I know it's been said, but I want to make sure that you're reminded of it. And maybe write it down, make a mental note of it, do something that will help you to remember this. Is that uh, we talked about this last night. Um, and this will help you too, Brandon, because you were talking about the difference between calling and, and, and whatnot, um, calling and the gifts and whatever. And so I explained, you know, that the calling is God drawing you to a particular gifting, your call to that gift. And then once that gift, once you enter into that office, if it's an evangelist or whatever, um, then you've accepted the call and now you're walking in that particular office and, and whatever the Lord has done to train you to get you there. But uh, there was a question asked last night by Andrew. And Andrew, you know, was, or by somebody, it was Andrew. And Andrew was talking about how that he felt like that the Lord was dealing with him about teaching. Well, you know, when you look in, in Andrew's life, the, the grace that's in Andrew's life is in the area of worship. The grace in uh, Anna's life is in the area of serving or armor bearing. And um, she, of course, I think hers is, uh, along with Ted, is heavily relying upon prayer and, and intercession. Um, but that, that, is the, uh, that is the grace and the gift uh, Anna, before she started doing that, was called. But now that she's doing it, she's not just called, she's performing the work. She's doing it. Andrew, you know, with worship. But he said he'd felt like the Lord was leading him to teach. <clears throat> and he was like, is that right? You know, so do you leave one calling or one gift to go to another gift? And that that's no, you don't. Um, <clears throat> God calls you and, and you'll always be what God created you to be. You will always be what God. So Andrew, for as long as he lives, he will, God designed him to worship, to lead people in worship. That's what God designed him to do. Will the Lord, will the Lord give him other assignments uh, within that call? Yes. And so, you know, he might have an assignment to teach. He's still a worshiper, but he has an assignment. Right now he's on an assignment to help the, the children's ministry. And so the, the gift and the call never changes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sometimes the assignment changes. And so we, uh, I shouldn't have eaten that chocolate before church. But uh, so be aware that the, your assignment might change uh, your, your, the, the purpose that God called you to and, and why, why he created you will always remain the same. But the assignment may change. The gift may, may uh, shift into another gear, into a different a realm, different avenue. You might start out as an evangelist and end up a teacher or a pastor. You might start out as a pastor and end up an evangelist. Uh, it's not a natural progression. 
If, if you do that, it's a spiritual thing. It's because God wanted it. Um, we don't start out as pastors with the hope that we'll be promoted to an evangelist. It's not, that's, it's not like the world. Uh, it's not based off of seniority. You know, you, you, you can't serve as a pastor and then be like, well, you know, I've, I've gained seniority. Can I be an evangelist now? You know, and then you're an evangelist. Now that I have seniority, you know, the next, uh, the next step, step is a prophet, isn't it? Uh, do I get to, do I get, well, if the Lord wants you to, yeah. But it's not a natural progression. It's based off of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that's what we're reading here. Now, these things are based on what the Holy Spirit, um, how, the, how the Lord deals with us, how the Spirit of God wants to use us. So anyhow, anyhow. <clears throat> no, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, maybe in a minute I, I might grab it from you. But anyhow, so um, any, any questions in regards to that? Um, are we, are, is everybody clear, clear on that? You know, are there, yes, Anna. So you said that you can start off like somebody could start off as an evangelist and then chain, transition into a teacher. How is that your calling not changing. Can you ex explain a little bit on that? Well, you like the Lord, when he, when he called me, of course, he told me, I've called you to be an evangelist. But then what he told me was this, before, before you're finished with it, in this life, you will function in all fivefold ministry offices. So my, so in that, in the, in the moment, in the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I became aware of the calling of an evangelist. But then the Lord made me aware that that wouldn't be the only gifting or the only office that I would stand in. So, um, so then over the years, there would be shifts that would happen in my, in my, spiritually in my walk, in my life with the Lord, where, <clears throat> like I was an evangelist for years, ministered healing to the sick, and the Lord started telling me he didn't want me ministering to the sick like I was in the, in the manner that I was. And he started telling me he didn't want me to pray for people certain ways. And, and he didn't want me relying on certain, uh, he didn't want me relying on certain things that I had grown accustomed to. Like, uh, I used to function a lot in the word of knowledge. Annie, Annie will tell you, uh, I would get up and I'd, I'd get these words of knowledge about sickness in people's bodies. And I would feel the pain. Uh, that people would have. I would feel their sickness. Um, I literally, one time I was in a meeting for, uh, it was a Good Friday service and the Spirit of the Lord came on me. We, they just had a cantata and the Spirit of the Lord came on me. It was at my home church, South Oklahoma City. It was day spring and before, uh, before it blew up and went in the, went in the trash. But anyway, um, I got up and I told the pastor, I said, I'm get, I feel like I have a word of knowledge. Can I share it? And he said, oh, yeah, I feel the anointing on you, you know. And so I, 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 he gave me the microphone. I, could I, I felt like I had grown the breasts of a woman. And I could feel, I could, <laughs> he thought that was funny. Uh, and I could feel, I could feel tumors in my, in my chest, and I knew that there was a woman there that had some kind of breast cancer, some kind of tumors in her breast. And so I got up and I said, there's, there's a woman here that she, now I don't know what this pastor expected. I told him I had a word of knowledge. I don't think he was expecting me to say, there's a woman here, you have breast cancer and the Lord wants to heal you of your breast cancer. The minute I said it, he yanked the microphone away from me. 
because I think maybe he thought I was going to say, Lord wants me to tell you all how much he loves you or something, you know, silly like what, you know, people I think are accustomed to. I don't think he was expecting something so um, specific. And so I, I gave the word. He, he yanked the microphone out of my hand. But, but before he could even say anything, a woman jumped up and was holler, hollering, like Ted says. She was shouting. And she came forward, ran forward, and she said, it's me. She said, I, I, I came expecting that the Lord would touch me. Well, he said, well, you go ahead and, and pray for her. And he kind of walked off and he tried to take attention away from it. I don't know what he was afraid of. But anyhow, I ministered to the lady. She received her healing. Um, that was when I was in the in big time in that flow of the evangelistic calling. And uh, the Lord accentuated that calling with the gifts of healing. And so I would go places and minister healing to a lot of sick people. <clears throat> now, when the Lord wanted to bring that to an end, um, the, only, the only way I can describe it is that there, there are certain things that just stopped happening. And it's rather alarming when you've become accustomed to something and accustomed to the way of doing something, and then all of a sudden the next day it changes. Go ahead, and I mean, it literally changed almost seemingly overnight. I mean, it was, it was dr a drastic enough to, and, and when you, when you're dependent on the word of knowledge and you don't have one no more, there's nothing you can do. You, 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 you know what, you know, what's happened to a lot of people is that God has tried to shift their, shift their seasons and he's tried to move them into other areas. And because they became so accustomed to, and, and they loved so much what God was doing in them in a previous season that when the Lord shut it down, instead of them following the Holy Spirit, they kept trying to operate where the Lord had used them, you know, previously. And what happens when we do that is we open up the door to a familiar spirit. We open up the door to a wrong spirit. Uh, we open up the door to the flesh. We start, we start trying to, we start trying to work our faith to work spiritual gifts. Listen, you don't work your, the, the way you work your faith to work spiritual gifts is that when you, when you, when you sense the manifestation of the spirit coming on you, you step out in faith. You don't go, well, I'm going to work my faith and I'm going to believe that when I open my mouth, God's going to give me a word of knowledge. You better keep your mouth shut. That's not how that, that's not how this works. You, your, your faith isn't exercised until you get a word from God. Once you get a word from God, you get out there in faith. You don't get out in faith to get a word from God. You got a whole book full of words. You got to get your faith out there for a word from God. I mean, open up the book. I mean, if, if you can't open up the book, go get you some of them Bread of Life cards and pick three or four of them out and read them. You know, it's, that's, the word, that's the word of God. Amen. You don't have to, some of you praying for a prophecy. Why? I mean, you've got, don't get me wrong. I give prophecies, but amen. We, we, have, to, we have to keep things in, proper, in the proper perspective. So, I knew that something was shifting, something was changing. I didn't, I didn't understand that the office was changing until the message changed and the audience changed. And all of a sudden now I'm not ministering, uh, I'm not ministering to the church and encouraging them to win people to Christ like I did as an evangelist. Now I'm um, more equipping the saints to do the work uh, of uh, 
not just evangel evangelistic ministry, but all ministry. And, uh, and there's a prophetic word that came with it. And so now I'm functioning in this strange office, a uh, prophetic office. And it, 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 is, it's, it, it's, it was super unusual. But um, you know what? I, I, you know what? Uh, I was tempted. I'm, I've got to quit stumbling over my... I was tempted when, when, uh, when I didn't get those words of knowledge anymore. I was, I was tempted to try to get that to work again. Because people had gotten used to that being my ministry. And then there were people, you know, there were people that, that they looked at me and they said, well, I remember when you used to be anointed. I remember when the Lord really used to use you. And it's because they were, they preferred a different way of the Lord using me. They didn't much prefer the way God was using me in, in, in that, you know, in the, in the following season. But you know what? They, they were my, that was those people, they were my audience and they were the ones I was supposed to influence when I was functioning in that gift. It was, they weren't necessarily the people I was supposed to influence when I switched over and started functioning in another gift. So I, I had to, I had to be willing, I had to be willing to allow that part of my life to shut down and, and go and allow the Lord to open something else up. You know what? Some, some of us that are here, if you, especially if you've been at this for a while, some of you that are here, you long for something that you once had. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. It's okay. You don't have to have that. You can have something better. You can have what he has for you now. Okay. Amen. Now, you know what? It, uh, what he has for you now may not put you in front of 10. You know, the, when I was an evangelist, sometimes I, was, I would be in front of uh, seven, 8,000 people, and sometimes I'd be in front of seven. Most of the time I'd be, I'd be ministering in churches when I was evangelizing and only evangelizing or, or itinerant preaching, even when I was functioning as a prophet. Most of the churches I went to were between two, 250, 300 people. That was the crowds that I was ministering to. Now, about the, about, about the size churches I go to is about 60 to 80. And I don't understand why we can't get it. We, we're not getting into some larger venues. Well, you know what I figured? I, I finally figured it out. This is where the Lord wants us. I ain't got no business trying to tell the Lord how many people need to come to my service. Now, you know what? I could, I could do the social media thing. We could, we could do that. We could do that. The question is, should we do that? Should we build a bigger audience or, or should we be content with wherever it is the Lord has us laboring? So the Lord may only make you aware of one of the things that he has for you to do, the, the, like the main purpose for which he created you. Um, uh, he may, he, you may only be aware of that, and that may be the only thing you ever do. You may labor in that arena your entire life, your entire ministry. Some people, that's all they, that's, that's all they do. When their season is over, it's just over. But then others... They go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from, you know, one call to, to another, one, one gifting to another, one office to another. And you just have to be willing to follow the leading of the Spirit. 
Whatever he wants you to do, do it. Believe me, you want to do whatever. Do you know, you know what will cause the, the, the supernatural to break out in this church bigger than anything? You doing, you being content with whatever it is that the Lord wants you. If it's pray, then bless God, just pray. Just pray. <laughs> I was talking with um, I was talking with one of our members today. It was Tabitha. I was talking with Tabitha today, and she had a question for me about just some things she's you know got out there before the Lord concerning work. And as I was talking to her, glory to God. As I was talking to her, uh, I, was, I was reminded why. You, do you know why we, God, if, if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to live an unsettled life. Oh, yeah. People that don't follow the Lord, they can, they can settle. They can, they can settle on, you know, they can settle on a career. They can settle on a, uh, on a, a certain amount of money, making a certain amount of money every year. They can settle on, you know, certain things. But when you live a life surrendered to the Lord and, and you're a part of a church like, when, now listen, this isn't every church, but when you're a part of a church like our church where we mobilize people to discover, you know, their destiny and we, and we encourage people to, to uh, hear the Lord for whatever season they're in or whatever, you're going to live continually unsettled. Uh, you're going to, like right now, I, I, you, you, some of you think that if you figure out what your purpose is, that you'll, you'll be like content. No, you'll still be unsettled because then you'll be looking for what he might say to you next month. So your, your whole life, you're going to live on, you got to, uh, I don't remember at one point I figured that out, but when I figured that out and I realized that the life that I chose was a life that was unsettled, a life where I couldn't predict the future, where I couldn't predict what would happen from meeting to meeting. Listen, when you can't even predict what's going to happen from meeting to meeting, from church to church, from message to message. I'm not sure, I'm not sure everybody in the, I'm not sure everybody's cut out for that kind of a life. But you know what? If you choose to follow the Lord and, and this is the environment that he's called you to, you got to get used to it. You got to, you got to start, you got to start learning how to have peace in the discontentment. Amen. You have, to st you have to start learning how to be established in your unsettling. <laughs> Amen. I know it sleeps like an oxymoron, but that's what it is. Amen. So, uh, yeah. Did I answer your question? Because I tried. It's going to stay the same. That, that's the thing, is that you, I can't really, you know, you, no one can really tell you. You have to follow the Lord. And um, that's why I talk so much about living a spirit-led life. Go ahead, man.
happens. If you're, not, if you're not led by the Spirit, you're going to settle somewhere. And if you settle somewhere, you may find yourself not really fulfilling God's purpose. And if you're not fulfilling God's purpose, well, then you're going to be super discontented. It's not just going to be an unsettling. You're going to be really discontent. You're, you're not going to feel real good about uh, where you're at in life. And uh, then that, you know, that causes issues. But anyway, <clears throat> let's, let's read verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, un, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Amen. That's good. Now, you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, look what it says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. So we see here, uh, ministry gifts are mentioned again. Apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, miracles and gifts of healing would fall over there uh, in the realm of the evangelist. Um, helping, administer, um, administrating would be more pastoral and various kinds of tongues. So uh, it introduces the ministry of helps and also of various kinds of tongues. <laughs> Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And so the Bible tells us we should desire gifts, but not everyone's an apostle, not everyone is a prophet, not everyone is a teacher, uh, not everyone is called to stand in these uh, ministry offices, but all of us do have a purpose and uh, we need to be about finding out what that purpose is. What, why has God, what, for, for, why, for what purpose has the Lord anointed you? What is the grace of God that works in your life? You know, um, one of the, uh, one of the things that I've, uh, that the Lord spoke to me specifically about Winner's Church was, he said, I don't want you building this church on your gift. I don't want you attracting people to this church based on your anointing. That's how the church uh, traditionally was built. And uh, it never, the church, a church that is built on the pulpit ministry never succeeds. Or it can only succeed for a season of time. It never, it doesn't have any longevity. When that leader dies, the church dies with that leader. Because that church was built on either the anointing or the personality or the gifting that was in that individual's life. And so the Lord told me, he said, that's not how I ever intended to build my church. He said, my desire was always to build my church on the grace and on the gift given to each individual. And I thought, well, Lord, you know, how do you build the local church on the gift and the grace of each individual? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out. I thought that would, that, that sounds like chaos to me. Can you imagine having to administrate 
trying to get everybody's gifts to work within the four walls of the church. And see, that's the beauty of it, is that not everyone's grace is for the four walls of the church. Not every one of you, God didn't create every one of you to manifest here at church. God created some of you to manifest on your job. Amen. On the streets. And that, that was what the Lord was showing me. He said, if you can get people to discover their grace um, and then encourage them. You know, the first thing people want to do when they discover God's given them a gift is they want to abandon everything else to run after just that. Uh, 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 one example was uh, um, Joe. When, you know, Joe, when I met Joe, you know, Joe recognized that the Lord finally, you know, he'd lived his whole life and finally recognized that the Lord loved him and had a call on his life and, and um, the Lord had reeled him in. Well, when you, when you, when you have that moment of, of that supernatural discovery, man, it, li it lights you up. And so Joe um, was around Pastor Mikey. He was around myself uh, during this time in his life, and he heard us talking about doing the, you know, discovering your purpose and doing the work of the ministry, and he felt like the Lord had called him to go into the ministry. Now, there wasn't a real fine point on what the Lord had really called him to do. He just really felt called of God. Well, you know what? You're all called. You're all called to function in the purpose to which he created you for. So he, uh, uh, Joe was going to uh, quit, his, uh, quit the military. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of the military and I'm going to go full time and do what the Lord told me to do. Do you know when people start to really discover the purpose to which God created them, the supernatural begins to happen. You know what, let's look at it at an example of that. Um, Book of Acts Chapter, chapter 8, oh, maybe not chapter 8, uh, back one, chapter, uh, maybe back another one, <laughs> chapter 6. Now, uh, verse 1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching of the word uh, of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Now, now notice this. They said, we need some people to wait on the widows and the orphans. We need some people to serve them. So who are they going to, who are they going to pick? Uh, people that have a good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. Listen, to qualify to, to wait tables in the early church, you had to be, have a good reputation, you had to be full of the Holy Ghost, and you had to have wisdom. You had to qualify. You had to qualify.
Look what verse 4 says. But he said, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and several others. Verse 6. These set the, uh, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples was multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Are y'all you, are you seeing this? So there was an increase in the kingdom when people were set in place to fulfill their purpose. Now, now it talks about one of these fellows specifically that, that uh, got over there and started doing what God called him to do. Uh, verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. When you, when you discover your purpose and you start functioning in your purpose, you know what will happen? Same thing will happen with you, what happened with Stephen. Great signs and demonstrations and manifestations of the Spirit and outpourings of the Holy Ghost will be manifested through your life. The kingdom of God will grow greatly and people will be... I don't know, I don't know why, why people don't see the lack of demonstration and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their life as a sign that they're not fulfilling their purpose. But when you don't have a demonstration or a manifestation or a, or a release of the power of God through your life, then you have to begin to wonder if you're really, if you're really in the, you know, if you really have an understanding or revelation of what God's grace is and what God's purpose is for your life. Because once you discover his purpose, once, once you discover what he's called you to, once you've discovered the gift, and, when I, and again, I'm not talking about just ministry gifts. I'm talking about if God called you to wipe boogers off the wall in the nursery, when you do it, you'll do it with power. With authority. When you do it, the Holy Ghost will fall and people will get delivered. Amen. You, know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't think we make the connection that our obedience and our willingness to obey the Lord and to do what God calls us to do opens up the realm of the supernatural. Not only does it not only does it open up the supernatural to you and not only do you begin to see demonstrations and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but uh, the Word of God increases. Joy increases. The, uh, the, the, uh, the scope of, of the reach of the church increases. See, that's what the, and that's what the Lord told me. He said, if, if people will learn how to function in their grace and you'll, and you'll mobilize them to function in the purpose to which I've called them, the church will grow and the church will increase and my kingdom will, will be a multiplied. Amen. Don, do you have to? I was I was wondering uh, about Stephen. Uh, it seemed that um, I, the uh, the gifting in his life appeared to be uh, working of, of wonders and and yes. and uh, evangelism or or of, of uh, uh, preaching. He was they were unable to uh, resist the wisdom of his of his the spirit by which he spoke right his words and so forth. And I was wondering, was that his calling, and that the that the serving tables was an assignment? I don't think that he was called to full time ministry. I don't think he was a ministry gift. I think that Stephen was 
uh, he operated in the gift of the working of miracles. You know, some people God wants to, there are lay people that God wants to use in the working of miracles. People that aren't in ministry uh, or in a ministry office, mm-hmm. but the purpose to which he's called them is to, uh, and this is and this is what the Lord showed me about Winner's Church. Like, for example, um, I'll, and I'll give you an example of what the Lord showed me. Uh, there was a lady, her, her name, I remember her name. She was small, she was a little lady. What was her name? Melinda. She was a little, little person. Um, is that what they call them now, little people? Dwarf or whatever. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore, dwarf. Uh, no, it's not. I know midget isn't uh, uh, politically correct anymore, so we're not going to call them that. But anyway, um, she was a little person. And she came to a series of meetings that we had. We had revival. Revival broke out. <laughs> I, got, I got Charlie with that one. Anyway, revival broke out, and and she was in that meeting. And during that meeting, um, I noticed that there was one section of the church where we had a whole bunch of people, and typically they were Hispanics. I mean, a whole group of them, a big group. They took up almost one side of the church. And I was like, where are these people coming from? Because it's a different group of people every night. And I would minister to those people, uh, different ones of those people, that group, every night. They would either get saved or filled with the Holy Ghost, or I'd minister healing. I'd have a word, uh, a prophecy for one of them. And the Lord was touch. I mean, the Lord was touching them big time. And finally, I said, where are you people coming from? And this little lady stood up. She said, I'm bringing them. <laughs> well, I was like, this lady is, I, this lady has a gift to get people to come to church. She has a grace on her life to get people to come. You know what? Not everybody can get people to come to church. You know, we've had more people join this church as a result of Nakia and Lewis inviting them to church than any other family. There's something about them that caused them to invite people, and they come, and those people seem to want to hang out here, which is kind of cool. Joe and Jess seem to have had that effect on several people. Amen. But anyway, this lady, she would have a whole different group of people come every, every night. And I said, you know, God's given you a gift. God's given you, there's a grace on your life that, that, that is evangelistic in nature. But I said, it's not that you're an evangelist. It's that, you know, we're all called to preach the gospel to every creature. We're all called to share our faith and to minister in the ministry of reconciliation. Well, that's what she was doing. I said, so what do you do for a living? She said, I'm in real estate. She owned a, do you know those, those apartment books that you've, the magazines that you see at the store on those stands, Apartment Finder? She owned the rights to Apartment Finder for the central Oklahoma, central Oklahoma or some big part of the state of Oklahoma. It didn't matter what number you call in that book, it all went to her. See, y'all don't know it. You, you call that apartment up. You're not really calling that apartment. That, that phone call goes to the same person, that the one who owns the rights to work this area. They, they bought the rights to, to work this area when it came to apartment. So here's what she did. She, she thought, you know, um, uh, she wanted to see people born again. So she, she, was, uh, she, she had the apartment finders, and um, 
she noticed that when there were hailstorms and things like that, a bunch of roofers would come to town. And she thought, how can I get some of these people into the house of God? So she, le she leased, personally leased apartments. She would lease an apartment for a year because some of these people would call her up and say, can we get a six-month lease? And she was like, no, you can't get a six-month lease. So she was, she, number one, she was missing business opportunities. Number two, she was missing opportunities to minister to some of these people that she wanted to minister to. So she came up with a plan. She leased apartments. She would lease an apartment for a year. And then she would furnish the apartment. And then when these people would call and say, I'd like a six-month lease and I'd like to get a furnished apartment, roofers would come. You know, they need furniture. And so, so she'd say, I've got a deal for you. I will lease you this apartment. She would sublet these apartments for six months and they would be uh, furnished. She'd say, I'll do that for you. And they'll be like, thank you so much because, you know, they're, not, they're striking out. They can't find a place. She said, but I have one condition for all my renters. You have to go to church with me at least one time. You know, they would, they would say, absolutely. And so all these, all these people would come to church, and they'd have to hear the gospel preached. Well, you know what? M Melinda had a grace in the area of real estate. She had wisdom, kind of like Stephen, but not, not to... Not to expound on the word of God, but to trick people and compel people to come to church. And the gospel would be preached to these people. And the kingdom would be introduced to these people. And these people would get born again. She had a powerful gift. A gift, a gift of evangelism. And so when she started hanging out with me and I started, I started testifying, I, I, I said, this, this lady has a gift. Well, you know what? Minute, minute we believe we've got a, a gift people begin to come around us and say, man, you know, I, I really would like to hear you preach. Well, that's not the kind of gift she had. But I take her to church and church people are so fixed on if you have a gift, you're going to preach that they filled her mind with this. And this is what happens with many people in the church, many people in the body of Christ. People said, you ought to go into the, you ought to go into the ministry. You ought to be telling people about this. You know what she did? She quit real estate and tried to go into the ministry. You know what? It ruined her ministry. You know why? Because her ministry wasn't to go to the church. Her ministry was to get on a, you know, to get people on, to call her on apartments, whatever, apartment finder, whatever, and, and to minister to people that way. See, uh, some people think they have to leave their job to do their ministry. Amen. And what some people don't realize is that your job is what opens up the door for your ministry. When Michael Salazar came to the church, I said, Michael, you don't have to quit because, you know, he is in search of. I was like, you don't have to quit roofing to do your job. I said, as a matter of fact, I believe that when God uh, gives us a building and he puts us in a neighborhood and he puts us amongst a community of people, I said, one day uh, what we're going to do as a church is we're going to, we're going to uh, like the Mennonites. You know, the Mennonites have a philosophy of ministry. Their philosophy of ministry is this. Let, uh, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're a city that's set on a hill that can't be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Here's what I learned from the Mennonites. The Mennonites will go and take over entire communities. When you, when you go and you find Mennonites, typically they have taken over an entire town 
or an entire village. An entire village of people will become Mennonites. Do you know how they do that? They don't do that by going around and thumping on their Bible, preaching the word to people, dragging people to church. By, by, by just handing out pamphlets and dragging people to church by hand out. You know what they do? They go into a community, typically agricultural communities, and they will build you a barn. You don't have to be a Christian for them to build you a barn. You don't have to be a Mennonite for them to build you a barn. All you have to need is a barn. And if the Mennonites catch hold of the fact that you need a barn, they will, they will get the word out and they'll say, let's build them a barn. They have ulterior motives. They know that if they build you a barn, you will feel obligated when they ask you to come to church to come to church. So they will build you a barn and not let you in on the fact that one day they're going to accost you and invite you to come to church. They're not going to be heavy handed about it. They're going to be kind. They're going to be super kind to you. They're going to build you the best barn you ever had. They're going to come and they're going to, they're going to anoint your cows and they're going to anoint your chickens and they're going to do all this. They're going to pray over your barn. You might be a wicked sinner, but they're going to show the love of Jesus to you. And then one day they're going to invite you to church and you're going to feel obligated to go well eventually the whole community feels obligated to be at the Mennonite church which exposes them to the preaching of the word of God and those people end up getting born again and they become a part of the Mennonite church until they get the whole town So I told Michael Salazar, I said, you don't have to quit roofing to do your ministry. I said, because there'll come a time when, when we go into a neighborhood and there'll be some, some, someone that needs a roof. And instead of, instead of selling them a roof, We're going to show up at their house one day and we're just going to start tearing the roof off of their house and we're going, to, we're going to tear the shingles off and in an afternoon, they're going to go from having a bad roof and a leaky roof to having a good roof. And they're going to say, why are you doing this? We're going to say it's from Jesus. You know, there are going to be people that will take advantage of that. And you know what? We'll be okay with that because that's a part of what we're going to have to put up with to do the work of the ministry. But those people are going to feel obligated to come to Winter's Church once we put a roof on their house. You're, you're, you're a mechanic? You know what? One day we're going to have a Saturday where we put a sign out. If you're a single mother and you need an oil change and, and a tune-up, we, we want to do that for you free of charge. We had a bunch of hairstylists up in our church. You know, one day we had an outreach. You know what we did during the outreach? We set up several chairs and we had people cutting hair. Giving kids haircuts for free. They needed them. I think it was back to school bash, wasn't it? Get a, get a free haircut for you so you don't go to school looking like a, an animal. <laughs> but see, that, that's, how, that's how the Lord wants us to build the church. He don't want us building the church by people coming and watching me perform. Right, right. 
He wants us building the church because we're out there functioning in our gift and functioning like Stephen. Stephen, uh, Stephen preached the word of God, and, and, and Don pointed it out nicely. In fact, let's let's read let's read the next several verses, and then Don, I'll let you because uh, I know you still have something. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue at the, uh, at the, uh, of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the uh, Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spake. You know, the reason why Stephen was, was that way, you, you, you can't have that kind of anointing and that kind of authority and that kind of confidence if you're not fully persuaded that you're doing what God told you to do. You, you don't realize this, church, but when you know what God called you to do and you're persuaded of it and you know you're standing in it and you're settled in it, it gives you a confidence and a faith that you can't have at any other time. All of a sudden, you, when you know you're smack dab in the middle of the will of God and the devil comes and he's booga, 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 you're like, ha, ha, ha. You're not scared. You're not afraid. You're not intimidated. It's only when you don't know where you're at, what you're doing, if you're in it, if you're not, if you're about the business of God. If you're not. Listen, I don't, I don't wring my hand. When the enemy comes and starts shouting at me about this church and about my ministry, I don't go to wringing my hands and freaking out. I know I'm doing what God told me to do. I'm like, devil, if you're going to move us, you're going to have to move all of heaven. Because we are, we are smack dab in the middle of where God wants us. If you move me, you're going to have to move God, and I don't think you're about to do that. All of a sudden, you're functioning in a, in a faith, in a, in a level of faith and in a realm of, are y'all hearing any of this? Amen. So, no, I, I don't think Stephen was, um, because we don't, we, don't see that, we don't see that said in Scripture. It doesn't call Stephen specifically an evangelist, although he did the work of an evangelist. But that's, that's everybody. All of us are supposed to share our faith. But Stephen did have a, uh, an ability to, uh, he, 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 he operated in, in wisdom. So let me ask you all this. So what, what, what gifts then did Stephen function in? Well, he definitely had the ministry of helps because he served. But were there, were there some spiritual gifts? Well, we know the working of miracles. Working of miracles. And um, there's one more there. It's not, it's not right out in the open, but there's one more gift there. Well, typically the gift of working of miracles and the gift of faith will work together. It, it's not, it's not, it's not obvious, but if you look at it, you'll know. I mean, if you, if you really look at the gifts in the way you ought to, what you want me to tell you? Prophecy. Prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy. What is, number one, what is prophecy? It's preaching. It's proclaiming the word of God. 
It's preach. When I get up and preach, I'm prophesying. Not now, not prophesying like in the office of a prophet, where you're. Where I'm not. I'm not uh, uh, revealing things that it, uh, 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 about the future. Or what? See, some people think prophecy is uh, some kind of revelatory thing about the future. No, prophecy is simply preaching, proclaiming. So the simple gift of prophecy is the very simplest form of the prophetic. It's it's it's. Uh, it's speaking the word of God and bringing edification, bringing exhortation, and bringing comfort. That's what Stephen was doing. Stephen was preaching, and he was, and he was preaching under the anointing of the Spirit so strong that people that were learned and trained in, uh, in religion couldn't withstand the Spirit by which he spoke. Glory to God. And he was a waiter. Go ahead, man. Oh, yeah. So, so his, uh, his, his calling was helps along with the other six. Mm -hmm. They were set in. They were prayed for, laid hands on to be uh, in, the, in the ministry of helps. But then the, the Holy Spirit used him. In uh, in all these other ways, in the gifts, yes, in the gifts. See, so. we these get we th see, we think these gifts are we think these gifts are reserved for those that are in uh, ministry offices. No, listen, so there's somebody in this church. God wants to use you to work miracles. You just got to figure out who you are, and yield yourself to the Spirit of God and let Him do it. Some of you, God wants to give you words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Tongues and interpretation. God wants some of you to, God wants some of you to open up your mouth and your preaching be so strong that people can't resist the wisdom by which you speak and the spirit by which you speak. That they be, are, are y'all hearing any of this? See, imagine walking into a church like that. Now here, here's what you're going to be tempted to do. Oh, you know, you know what, you know what the modern day church would have done with Stephen. Stephen, Stephen, if uh, if he was here at Winter's Church, he'd be a deacon. I would put him as a deacon in this church. He'd be at leadership meetings. He would be a deacon. Now you know what Stephen would have to battle with in the modern day church: people coming up to him and saying, "When are you going to start traveling? When are you going to start preaching around?" One of the conversations that I had with Sheree that I've never really talked to anybody about but her, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me telling this, when, when Sheree first started coming with me and traveling with me and we went uh, out, I told her, I said, now, Sheree, um, I, wa I want you to understand something. I believe that your gift works, and the only reason it works good is because of your association with me. Now, that sounds very arrogant, and, and if, you, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't understand this, hang on. Go ahead, man. Because when I told her this, I said, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. God loves you, and he'll do, he'll do all kind of stuff with you, and you don't need me in your life to do you know, to, 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 to love God, to know God, to serve the Lord. And, and I think that you will function in some level of ministry anywhere you're at. But I really believe that God called you to labor alongside of me here at Winner's Church. 
And I think that when you, when God has called you to, to a ministry that, um, that is a ministry like Stephen, that, is, that plays a supporting role, then if you get out of that, that supporting place, your ministry doesn't work. Like, like Melinda, her ministry didn't work no more. People were inviting her to come because they were attracted to the gift that she had, not realizing that her gift didn't work in the four walls of the church. It worked outside of the four walls of the church and it benefited the, it benefited the church, but it didn't work within the four walls of the church. And well-meaning Christian people encouraged her to do something that ruined her gift. I probably shouldn't have mentioned her name, but I'm, I'm, now that I have, I'm going to have to tell you this. <coughs> she had a wonderful family, a wonderful husband, wonderful family. Her and her husband ended up divorced. She ended up losing her identity and then uh, trying to live a homosexual lifestyle. That's where she's at right now. You know, uh, she moved away from Oklahoma. She went to New York. She tried to get a reality show. You know, she was, it was, just, it just got crazy. Because she, can I tell you another, can I tell you another story? Oh, yeah. Brother Hagen talks about the only person he ever met that he believed committed the unpardonable sin, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He said there was a woman that was married to a minister. Is this Okay. There was a woman that was married to, the, to a minister, and she had a wonderful gift. Number one, she was, she was gorgeous. She was physically attractive. He said probably one of the most beautiful women he had ever laid his eyes on. Secondly, she had a wonderful uh, music gift. She, she would sing, and the Spirit of God would anoint her to sing, and God used her powerfully, uh, and anointed her powerfully in, in music. So Brother Hagen said that he had gotten a phone call that she had left her husband, had run off with some a different with a bunch of different men in the church, and just started sleeping around with everybody. And um, and anyway, he had heard about all this happening, and then the Lord spoke to him and told him to go to this woman and to warn her that if she didn't turn from what she was doing, that um, that she would. Uh, that she would commit that unpardonable sin and would end up in eternal damnation. So he and some fellows from the church went with him and they went to talk to this woman, like the Bible says, you know, go and, you know, confront these people. So she, he did. Now he knew this woman. This wasn't someone he didn't know. He wasn't going to someone. Don't be like those people that want to rebuke people they don't know. Uh, don't do that. He knew this woman. He was acquainted with her. He, he was, it was someone that he knew. And so he knocks on, he finds out she's staying at a hotel. She's shacked up at this hotel with some guy from the church, some deacon or some elder, something like that. And so he goes, he pounds on the door. And she answers the door. And when she answers the door, she's completely naked. She's nude, answers the door nude. And there's a man that's there in the bed smoking a cigarette. And she's like, what do you want? 
And he tells her, he said, the Lord has sent me here to tell you, you have one, you have one last opportunity to repent. You know better than this. You need to turn away from this. You need to turn away from these. You need to embrace the call of God. You need to embrace what the Lord has anointed you to do. Don't, don't do this. <clears throat> and she said, I'm doing, and she began to cuss with them and, and, and uh, berate them and then began to uh, um, mock them. And she slammed the door on them and she didn't repent. And she ended up dying in her sins. Now, I know some of you like, how, um, is that what you do to commit the unpardonable sin? No, the Bible says you have to have, you have to have tasted of that, the full gift of God, the full measure of God's grace. This woman had functioned in the full measure of God's grace for her life. I mean, she had tasted of the gift of God. She knew, for her to do what she did, she had to make a decision to turn away from God. She purposefully, intentionally had to turn from God and from the grace and the gift of God in her life to do it. Most of us, we've not tasted of the full measure of the grace and the gift of God in our life. So it's impossible for us to commit the unpardonable sin. But this woman had done it. So Brother, Brother Hagin said this. Brother Hagin said, that the Lord showed him when this woman had committed how, how the enemy had deceived her and how all this had started. Do you know what it started with? It started with this thought. Get this. The devil told her, the devil, the devil said something to her that planted the seed. You know what the devil told her? You're beautiful. He didn't even tell her a lie. He told her, he did to her what he did to Eve and what he's doing to some of y'all. Y'all know why some of y'all end up in the ditch over this stuff? Boy, I'm about, to, I'm about to say something right now, Tyler. Do you know why some of y'all end up in the ditch over this sometimes? Why you end up in the flesh? Why you end up yelling at your family? Why you end up getting angry with your brothers, with your sisters? Why you want to jump from church to church to church? Why, why all the time you battling with depression and with misery and with sorrow and with trouble? Because you're believing the same lie this woman believed. The devil, the devil will come. Now, was she beautiful? Yeah, she was beautiful. But then... Then he, then he interjected a lie. He told her one truth and then he interjected a lie. He said, you're beautiful. That, that, you're beautiful, it hit her. It, it hit her in the, and Brother Hagin said he saw it. He saw it like a little tiny seed planted in her mind. It was just a little black seed planted in her mind. Then the devil came behind that and said, you know, you're missing out. You are limiting yourself by staying within the boundaries of the church. You could be way more successful. Look at your husband. You could have way better. You could do way more. Do you know that's the lie he told Eve? Do you know, do you know why Eve fell to, to the temptation of the enemy. You know what the devil was really telling Eve? He, he wasn't just telling her, eat from, from this tree. You know what he was saying? You're missing out on something. She had everything, but he persuaded her that she was missing out on something.
I am preaching right now. See, some of y'all, that's how the that's how the enemy, that's how the enemy baits you and then it's, gets you gets you off in the ditch, is that you 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 walk by that, you walked by us when we was in leadership, and you know what the enemy said? You're missing out on something. You want to be in that club. Guess what? It ain't a club. Come on now. And, and you know what that, that did? That hindered you from ever really hearing what God told you because what you wanted was you wanted a title. You wanted recognition. You wanted pats on the back. You wanted to go to the end of the year party. You wanted Come on now. Anybody hear what I'm talking yeah, see, instead of, instead of wanting to devote yourself to what God called you to, to, to see the lost one, to see the sick healed, to see the bound set free, to, to, to see people come to that place where they discover the same Jesus that you discovered. They were on the junk heap and God took them off the junk heap and he turned their lives around. Instead, we, we, wanted, to, we wanted to have coffee with pastor. Instead of having a ministry like Tyler, we wanted to be able to have access to pastor like Tyler. Is that really, is that really all you're looking for? I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be way disappointed. Because I'm going to fall way short of all your expectations. None. We don't serve it. You have to bring your own. BYOC, bring your own coffee. And not in the sanctuary. <laughs> Am I the devil try to persuade you you're missing out on something. Well, you know what? You'll never think you're missing out on anything if you discover what God's told you, what he's created you for, and you're about the business of doing it. Whether that's praying before service Listen, if you're praying before service and that's what the Lord told you to do, that ought to be good enough. That ought to carry you. Amen. You don't have any questions about what I just said? I am. I'm praying for it. But see, that's, that's, that's why this, that's why this, that's why it gets difficult. Church, it's not difficult because God's not talking to us. It's difficult because when, like, like when I told Sheree, I said, Sheree, your, your gift is going to work best if you stay connected. I said, if, you, if you're, if you're going to, if, 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 if you're going to come travel with me and then get this idea that you're going to become this great evangelist and, and, and you're going to aspire to leave Winner's Church and to go do something, I said, I don't even want to start this. Go ahead, I want you to figure out whether God called you to Winner's Church or not. And, if, and, if, and if, I, if you see it the same way I see it and God called you to Winner's Church and he called you uh, alongside of me to help me, then 
I want you to be fully persuaded of that because I don't, I, I don't, in four, in four or five years, I don't want you going, well, you know, I've, I finished my assignment. The Lord's telling me to move on. I said, this is what I hear. And, and this is what I believe I heard God say. I, I want to hear what you, I want to hear what you think. Well, you know, she, that's what she, she said, I, I feel the same way. That's what I hear. You know, there's some of you, you're only, you're, you, the only way you're really going to function good in your gift is if you plant yourself where God wants you to be. Oh, that's right. If you associate with the people God wants you to associate with. Oh, yeah. And some of them people going to rub you the wrong way. But, but they, you need them. You need them. You need those people. Amen. Some, some of you, you're not going to do good unless you're sitting under Pastor Zig. Because that's where God called you. Stephen, you know what? Stephen got, got called to serve under those apostles. That's, that's, that was his place. He needed to serve there. If, if he had gone and started Stephen's, uh, uh, Stephen's uh, uh, serving and specialty, you know, church, he, he might have been a little effective, but he wouldn't have been as effective. There may have been, and then Cherie began to tell me the story of a guy that she knew at uh, Victory, that he had a, an evangelistic type of call, and um, he was at that church, and he did a lot to help that church, and then he, uh, for some reason, he didn't feel like he was getting the recognition and the props that he deserved, so he started his own ministry. He ended up leaving the, that, uh, that work. And um, he was still somewhat effective, but he wasn't near as effective as he was while he was at Victory. Because God called him to Victory. God called him to function in that environment. Go ahead, man. There, there's, there's, a, there's a whole lot to this. I know I'm not doing this any justice tonight. I, I know, uh, but I, I'm, I hope I'm introducing some things to you that will, that will, that will help you. Um, I, had a, I had a man that traveled with me. I won't tell you his name, but you probably wouldn't have to I think about it too hard to figure out who it was. Um, some of you anyway would know him, uh, but he traveled with me for, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm, I knew him right, right as I got born again is when I first knew this person. And they uh, hauled me around, took me to meetings. Uh, I didn't have a car and they drove me to different meetings. Then they ended up traveling with me for a period of time. Well, after they traveled with me for a period of time, things started to shift and things started to change. And they began to take credit for uh, the ministry. They said, you're, you're only doing what you're doing because of me. And I thought, dear God, I don't even feel that way about myself. And so I ended up having to let, let them go. And uh, the way they tell it, though, is that they quit. In fact, the stories that they tell about being in uh, a part of our ministry don't really jive with the way that it was. In fact, now, nowadays they tell that they were an evangelist for 20 years. It's like, you were? When were you ever an evangelist? Well, I traveled with a team of evangelists. No, I was an evangelist and you were, and you helped. You played a supporting role. You weren't evangelist just because... But see, that, that, that was the downfall of this individual, is that they always wanted a title. They always wanted recognition. They cared more about what it looked like for them to travel with me. He told people he was second in command in the ministry. That it was me, and then if anything happened to me, they were, they were, they were the one that the responsibility fell upon. That was a lie. Ted was that guy. 
Ted was that guy, and Ted didn't know he was that guy. Ted was, Ted was that guy, and he didn't apply for the position. <laughs> Ted was that guy, and he didn't even feel like he was qualified to be that guy. But that's who that guy was. But this guy, he liked, to, he liked to tell that it was him. And he told his family, and he told his friends, and he, I didn't know this. He was telling people this everywhere. We, well, when I took him out of that position, he was like, well, what's everybody going to say? This is actually things that he said. What are people going to think? I said, I don't care what people think. I don't even care what people think about me. You think I care what they think about you? If I don't care what they think about me, why do I care what they think about you? I mean, as far as if they think negatively, I'm going to, I'm, I'm trying to reach the audience God's called me to the rest. I don't, I'm, I'm not, if I, if I can ever reach them, I will, but it's, if I go to a church of seven people, I'm not caring if people are like, oh, he must be on the downward slide. Look where he's preaching now. He used to preach to so many people, man. He used to be so anointed. I'm not, I'm not considering those things. So anyway, this individual, I don't think they realize this, and there, there have been several people that have come and worked with, with me, that the Lord began to use them in ways that the Lord never used them before. And it wasn't because of me. It was because they were in the place where they belonged, doing what they were supposed to do. Financially, people prospered when they hung out with me. They were like, glory to God, boy, the Lord's really give me a revelation. No, the Lord didn't give you a revelation. The Lord sent you to travel with someone that they have an anointing in that area, and you're gleaning from that anointing. That's, that'd be like Lot thinking he had promises from God. Lot was blessed by association. And that was okay because that was his place. Why are people, why are people so uncomfortable with being second? I'm going to write a book, Being a Good Second Man. Maybe I should write a book, You're Not a Prophet. You're an Elisha. Why can't, why can't, there's, a, there's, there's honor. There's, on, there's honor in washing the hands of the man of God. If that's where God called you to. And you know what? Forget about the man. People like, oh, you know, people told Ted for years. There's this one fella, his name, well, I won't say his name. But anyway, we, we saw him, we saw him recently. I saw him recently. I'm glad Ted wasn't there the, when I, I saw him at Charleston's. This was recently, at, while, while we've been in this building. And this fella, he, God used him to bring Ted to Jesus. Ted got born again as a result of this fella's influence. Well, this fella, he was a little, he's a little off kilter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he could be, but... Anyway, so Ted, you know, after Ted got born again, he got born again in the Baptist church. Then he goes amongst the Pentecostals. And that's where I met Ted. Well, when I met Ted, now this fella, this fella was kind of flighty. He didn't, he, did, he wasn't sound in his doctrine. He wasn't established in the word. He was just kind of all over the place. And so Ted needed training. Well, the Lord called Ted to be a part of my ministry. Oh, yeah. Immediately, I began to teach Ted. 
And I began to learn from Ted myself. Now, see, you have to understand, this isn't a thing of big me, little you. Get that, that, that thinking has to be out of your head when you get in the body of Christ. You got to get rid of that. You got to ditch that thinking because I don't think big me, little Ted. There, there's an order in which God wants us to work. And the order just happens to be that I'm, that, that I am the father to a spiritual son. Oh, yeah. I didn't decide that the man is older than me. When Ted started telling me, you're my spiritual daddy. That's right, Dad. See, he would say that in public. Oh, yes, I'm proud of you. Around people that didn't understand. That's too bad. And you know, and you know what they thought? They're like, mm, look Love at these. Dad. See, that's what he would say. He's my dad. I'm proud of you, Dad. <laughs> I love you, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, see, people going to hear this recording, they'll be like, dear God, what are they doing there at Winter's Church? <laughs> and what people don't understand is that Ted's not, he's not, he's not off kilter on this. He understands Jesus is Lord. You know what? If I go off the deep end, Ted ain't going with me. Ted's going to follow Jesus. But the call that's on Ted's life is to, is to, to be supportive of what, what I'm doing. And okay. he's had success because of that. Now, this other fella, he just wanted, he's the type of guy probably that would have taken a selfie with Smith Wigglesworth instead of asking Smith Wigglesworth, how do I, how do, how can I get to the place where the Lord can trust me with the same measure of anointing he's trusted you with. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've, you, were, you were long in the tooth before the Lord started using you. How did you do that? How did you accomplish that? What did you have to do? What in your mind had to shift in order for you to facilitate in your older age what God wanted to do with you in that miracle ministry? How do you keep, how do you keep from thinking it has anything to do with you? Is it something that you have to think about or is it really apparent when God uses you that way that it has nothing to do with you? You keep, you know, but, but there's some people, they don't care nothing about, they don't care nothing about finding anything out about the Lord when they meet people. They, they would just be taking, there'd be people, they'd be happy just to have a selfie. Can I get a picture with you? Where'd you get those shoes? Really? That's what you're going to ask the preacher? Where he got his shoes? Go ahead, man. You'd rather, you'd rather have the appearance sitting down, having coffee, being able to tell people. And there's some people like that too. Yeah, I went to lunch with pastor. Oh, that carries weight? I didn't know that carried weight. I eat lunch every day. You happen to be there. <laughs> it's silly. I mean, to me. But anyway. But there's something about the call of God. And so, so Ted, you know, there were all kind of people. That, that fella, that fella we were talking about, he went to Ted. He said, I think you're supposed to travel with me. Once Ted started growing. Once Ted started appearing to be what God had 
created him for. Because there's something very attractive about an individual. Not even their looks. It's just there's something attractive about someone who's functioning in the anointing. Someone who's doing the will of God. And Ted, he started doing the will of God. And this guy's looking. He's like, man, I missed out on something. So he's trying to get Ted to come over there. And Ted's like, you nuts? Are you nuts? Over the years, I've had people try to drag Ted away from me. There have been people come and tell Ted, when are you going to start your own ministry, Ted? How long are you going to keep playing second fiddle? That's what will happen to you, church. What's going to happen to you? When you start being, listen, I'm telling you right now, it's already happened to some of you. People say stuff to Ty all the time. Boy, I wish I had a hundred of you and Ayla. Preachers, they're well-meaning. Sometimes the enemy want to sow that seed. That'll shipwreck your grace and your gift. So you got to be careful. You know, when I was at a church and my, I had a pastor that, that uh, was training me up and I was already, I'd already been in ministry a long time. Then God sent us to Bill Coleman. And Bill Coleman had great ministry. Lord, when, I, when, we, when, we, when God put us with that pastor, man, I love to serve. Listen, I served that man. When he come to church with dirty shoes, I'm like, no, my pastor ain't have no dirty shoes. I have a shoe thing. I'd see him up there with dirty shoes. After church, I caught him. I said, hey. Let me have them shoes. Why? Because they're dirty. I'm going to clean them. Okay. You don't need to clean my shoes. I said, I know I don't need to, but I'm going to. My man of God ain't going to have no nasty shoes. Right. Man, I couldn't even hear you for being distracted by the dust on your shoes. <laughs> <clears throat> he didn't want to give me his shoes, but he gave me his shoes reluctantly. I went to his house. He had ticks in his backyard. I mean, they were all over. It was an infestation. His dog was covered with ticks. I was like, Pastor, your dog is covered with ticks. He's going to die. He's like, really? I have ticks? I'm like, dude, they're crawling up your legs right now. It's bad. You know, I went and got, you know what? I went and killed the ticks in my pastor's yard. Did I, did I do, what, why'd I do it? The Lord called me to serve under that man. I was gleaning from some spiritual things in that man. His car, his car was nasty. Oh, yeah. One day he turned his car on to get it, you know, to, he was getting ready to leave. He walked away from it. I said, someone give pastor a ride home. I'm taking this car and washing it. I stole his car. Oh, yeah. When I brought it back to him, he didn't even recognize it. You know, I didn't do it because I had to. I, I did it because it was a part of my purpose. You ain't going to have to wash your car. You're gonna, you can spend your time doing something else. Evidently, you don't have time to clean your shoes. So you're going you're gonna to have time to do something else. I'm going to clean your shoes. You give you time. We're going to make sure that you function in your purpose, that you do what God wants you to do. Amen.
If I saw my pastor carrying something, I grabbed it from him. I wouldn't let him carry nothing. What, what, why do y'all think you feel that in the culture of this church? Why do you think we all want to serve? It's because that's what I did. It's the, it's the, it's the atmosphere of my life. Some people look at me now, they're like, well, you got all these people doing all this stuff. Oh, you think I didn't do nothing? Go ahead now. And I didn't graduate away from it. That's not what happened. It's just that God brought so many people around me, y'all won't let me do nothing no more like that. Amen. Anyway, any questions? I know we kind of got, uh, got, it got a little all over the place, but there's so much that can be said about this. And I tried to cram as much in in three days as I could. Um, yes, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. So, armor bearer. With the the last couple stories that you told about the people um, stepping away, mm -hmm. say you are in a situation like that, and you realize that you have stepped away, and you realize the mistake that you have made, mm -hmm. and you have decided to come back. Uh, your calling, your assignments, is it still the same? Is it, how, what happens? You know, it really depends. And all these things that I'm saying are examples. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily the rule. Um, it's just examples of things that have happened. But like, uh, it depends. Because if, if you're, if you're, if you're, at your post and you abandon your post and for the kingdom to function, it's necessary for your post to be occupied. God is not going to allow his kingdom to suffer because you abandoned your post. So if someone has come and replaced you, then it won't be the same. It'll be different. You know, things will, things will be different. Um, I do think I do think that you I definitely think that you can uh, come you know you can come back you can come to yourself and the Lord will make a way somehow to see to it that you fulfill your purpose but like with this fellow that he thought he was all that in a bag of chips you know he didn't talk to me for several years but but the first time we did talk he, he it, in tears he repented and said I'm sorry. In fact, he said this, I feel like I've ruined my whole life. I feel like that I, I abandoned my post. I was like, you did, but don't let the enemy tell you that you're there, that you have no, that there's the, the kingdom, there's no, there's nothing for you to do in God. God's going to make a way. And so you have to just trust the Lord. And you, I can't, I can't help you about how you feel bad, um, I think you got to get over that, but, you know, seek the Lord, find out what, what now, Lord, what next, where to, what do, what do I do? Um, but then I think there's sometimes that we can jump right back in and, 
Then there are times that God, we're done. You know, some of you, you didn't leave your, your old church in bad circumstances. Some of you left because you were, it was done. You were done. For you to grow farther, you had to go somewhere else. And that's, my prayer is that that never happens here. That we, that we continue to move forward and that we all continue to grow. And this seems to be a place where you can, where there are no limits. You can grow as much as you want to grow or as little as you want to. It's up to you. But, um, yeah, it's, that's a loaded question because sometimes, you know, people ruin their... Had Elisha not followed Elijah that day, I don't think we would have read about him in the book anymore. He had an opportunity right then to do what the Lord told him to do. It was a, a kairos. It was a favorable moment in God. It was one of those pivotal moments that... You either make the right decision or you make the wrong decision. Had Elisha, had Elisha not followed after Elijah that day when Elijah showed up in that field, we'd have never heard about him again. And someone else would have come along and taken that place. Did that answer your question? I know that probably didn't make you feel good, but yeah. That's okay. So um, I want to ask, what would be a good prayer that we can pray to um, prosper ourselves uh, about um, knowing, just being revealed where you function, whether it be in or out, and, and really being comfortable with being the second second supporting role? Yeah. Because... Um, I mean, tonight was really good. So just really, I guess, moving forward in all the revelation tonight, how would we, what would be the conversation okay. we need to have with the let Lord? Me, let, me, let me say this. You might be in a supporting role today. You may be the primary tomorrow. You know, in the future, you may be the one carrying the torch. We are not in a, we are not in a marathon. We're not in a sprint. We're in a relay race. Someone has a baton. You, you, your ministry don't even start with you. I'm carrying on something that someone else started. I just picked up the baton and I'm running my, what do they call it? My portion of the race, You're my right. leg. I'm, I'm in my leg of the race. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hand that baton off. Someone has to be ready to take it. And see, that has to be us. We have to, we have to serve where we're at and know that at some point the baton may be passed to us and we may have to carry it. But wherever it is that we're serving, we have to serve with gladness. Right, right. Uh, be aware that things might change. Be aware of what they might change into if the Lord reveals it. Only if he reveals it. He may keep you, I won't say he'll keep you in the dark because he's lighting in him, there is no darkness. But he may keep you from knowing it. Knowing what it is. Knowing what the next step is. But where, wherever you're at, you've got, to, you've got to find the Lord there. And you've got to serve him there. And you've got to love him there. And you've got to uh, fulfill his purpose in that place. And then if at some point, because some people, they're just like, when am I get to run? When am I going to get to run? You'll, you'll, you'll run. You know, Eli Elisha, he hooked up with this old ragtag prophet. I mean, this Elijah was old. He got, you know, he was long in the tooth. He was cantankerous. Mm -hmm. The king sent people over to his house and he burned them up. 
for no good reason. Mm -hmm. Just because he, he could. I mean, it, it was wild. I, I imagine that he was probably snippy some days. <laughs> I'm sure that Elisha could have... I'm sure Elisha had better ideas, more progressive ideas, things that, fit, that would fit the culture and the generation. Uh, I'm sure there was that generational gap, and Elisha felt like he could probably do better at reaching his generation. But you know what? Till you have the baton. Until, until, you, until it's your race to run, you have to, if you take off without a baton, you're sunk. You just run it, yeah. So how do, we, how do we pray then? Here's how you pray. The word says this, having eyes they won't see, having ears they won't hear. You say, Lord, I, I have eyes and I want to see with those eyes. And these ears, I want to hear what the spirit is saying. Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear even the things that, uh, even things that maybe I don't want to hear. I I'm going to tell this, but I'm going to tell it in a way that doesn't reveal too much because I sure don't, and I, because I didn't ask Sheree her permission. But um, I had a conversation with Sheree very recently, and Sheree has been tuning her ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. And Sheree thought she heard something, and it was rather alarming to her. Um, I, I think Sheree, uh, we, all, we all have, oh, I'm trying not to take long. Am I okay? Yeah. We all have defense mechanisms. You know, no one likes to be fired. Everyone wants to quit before. You know what I'm saying? If you know you're going to get fired, you want to go in there and say, I'm giving my resignation. You don't want to get fired. You don't want to, you don't want to be taken by surprise. You know, uh, it, it's hurtful. It's hurtful. And all of us have defense mechanisms in place in our lives to try to keep us from that. We don't, we're not always conscious of those things. But if you observe people, if you watch people, people, you know, their behavior is very similar. So, Amelia, are you trying to tell me it's almost finished? <laughs> so, so, uh, so Cherie, um, I was, I was, uh, I was saying things while I was preaching, while we would talk, I would say certain things. There were certain things that I was introducing in our processes, in the way that we do stuff. And something went off in Cherie that, that was, that she had been able to rely upon certain things, uh, intuitive you know she, she's 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 very intuitive women are intuitive women are intuitive you ever heard of women's intuition it's real but it's not reliable it's real but it's not reliable sometimes you're right but sometimes you wrong so you can't rely on it Here, here's what you can rely on you can rely on the holy ghost can rely on the Holy Ghost. So Sheree started kind of putting some things together. And as, as she's putting it together, I think she felt like, I don't want to be, what do they call it? Blindsided. 
So I'm going to, and I, this is what I like about Sheree. I'm going to head this off at the pass. If this is, the, if this is what is happening, I want to make sure that it happens on my terms, which I appreciate. So she, she called me and she began to tell me what she was feeling and, and what she thought maybe the Lord was telling her. I said, and she said, but if it's the Lord, she said, I know that he'd probably tell you. I was like, well, Sheree, I ain't heard nothing like that. I said, I do know why you feel that way, but you have nothing. You're, uh, if you're afraid or if you're threatened or if you're concerned, you don't have any reason to be concerned. That's, that's the farthest thing from my mind. And that's when I told her, I, I reminded her of the conversation that we had had. I didn't remind her of it, but I told her the same thing I told her in that conversation. Sheree, I think you're, you're much like Ted. I think that no matter what you do, you're going to be associated with me and my ministry. Oh, yeah. Whatever you do, you're going to do under the umbrella of what we do at Winner's Church and what we're doing. As, you know, we're a, te we're a team. There's, there's, there's team ministry that's going on in this church. And, and so then she, then she, she, she got kind of, kind of weepy a little bit. Cause she's like, I can't trust myself. Here's, here's what's cool. When you start to pray, give me eyes to see and give me ears to hear, give me hearing ears, give me seeing eyes. You know what happens is that sometimes what, 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 uh, the Lord allows things like that to happen where you rely on something that you've relied on and you realize it's not dependable. And that's how he starts to form you. Of course, you don't feel good about it because you're like, what can I trust? My God, what am I doing? You know, that's how, that's how you feel. But you have to be willing to go through whatever you got to go through to get to where you need to be. And sometimes that's discovering things that you can't rely on. Where you can't really rely on hearing the voice of God. And so, don't be surprised that when you start praying, Lord, I want to have the kind of eyes that see and the kind of ears that hear. That Ephesians chapter 2 prayer that I, or chapter 1 prayer that I always tell y'all to pray. That is a great prayer. The God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God, the, the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we might know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer until you can have faith that that prayer works. When you first pray that prayer, you're going to pray it in the flesh. But if you'll keep working it and ask the Lord to uh, develop your faith for that prayer, you'll, once, once, once faith catches with that prayer, boom! It's going to work for you and it's going to work for anybody you pray it for. Oh, yeah. Amen. That's what I recommend. <laughs> I'm working through the same thing. Y'all don't know it, but I work through the same things y'all work through. It's just that I've learned how to be comfortable, more comfortable in dealing with it. You know, I don't freak out every time things change. Everything I've done, every time I'm not, or, you know, uh, when I don't feel like I can hear clearly, I'm like, well, I've been through this before and it works out. Oh, yeah. 
so I don't sweat it. You know, I'm not like, see, I used to. I used to grab my pillow and scream in my pillow in tongues. I finally realized that that was just an effort in future. That didn't, that didn't make anything. That didn't make God talk any louder. It didn't make me hear him any clearer. But boy, it sure did make me feel good. Or not. <laughs> Depend on what day. Yes, Melody. Ephesians 1. Where does it start, Joe? Do you remember 15? 15 it starts at verse 15. Where he says, uh, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Yeah. Yes. You have a question, Bailey? Oh, yeah, chapter one. Yes, chapter one. I thought maybe you had a question. My beautiful son, you're so beautiful. <laughs> Look at me. He. <laughs> You know what he did? He goes. <laughs> he was just messing around. Any other questions? I, said, I, I, I pray that this has been a benefit to you. I know what we talked about here is not stuff that I would probably talk about. I'm definitely not preaching this or talking about this during revival. This ain't revival teaching or preaching. This is, this is uh, home folk stuff. This stuff that we need to hear, need to know. Really, I was ho my hope was is to give some of you folks that are uh, more recent newcomers to Winter's Church some insight into why we why we do why I'm the way I am, why we do what we do, why uh, you know uh, why you may feel like sometimes you maybe think I'm not friendly. It's not that I'm not friendly. I'm just not. A, I'm not, I'm not typically a people. I don't get my energy from hanging out with people. I get my energy being by myself. And sometimes I run out of people energy, and so I have to fake it. And that's okay, because I want to be with you. you. You know what I'm saying? And um, the reason why we don't have just everybody preach here, because not everybody should preach here. We're trying, to, we're trying to raise the standard. We're trying to do things according to Scripture. There are people that should be behind the pulpit. There are people that shouldn't be behind the pulpit. Why it is that um, it seems that people are a little reluctant to get out and to you know, test the waters or whatever. Why people aren't more? Well, because not because I've constrained them, but because I think the very nature of the preaching of the Word constrains us to want to do things right. Amen. And thought ought to be given. And prayer ought to be given. And I, I think y'all are a little too reluctant, to be honest with you. I think you ought to take more risks. I would say, thus saith the Lord, take more risks, but I don't hear the Lord saying it, but I'm saying it. <laughs> take more risks. Um, you know, don't be, don't be so reluctant. Be willing to allow the Spirit to work with you. Um, and, um, but yeah, we're not, you know, it's not... It's not that way. Some, some of the ways people perceive, some of the language that's used. Um, I'm, not, I'm not domineering. I'm not overbearing. You can do whatever it is you feel like the Holy Ghost says. If you need advice, I'll give it to you. Um, there are some people like Sheree and Ted and some others that their ministry, they're, they're not just called to Winner's Church. Like Sheree, what, she's not just called to Winner's Church. She's really called to help me out. 
and Ted, Ted, not, Ted, Ted was here long before there was a winner's church. And, but, but you know, some of you, you're called to winner's church. And there'll be people that they're called to winner's church. There'll be some people come here. I won't even be their pastor, but this is where they'll go to church. I'll be a pastor. I'll be the pastor of this church, but I won't be their pastor. Heck, there have been people, there have been people that are still in this church that I, be, I was their pastor, and then I wasn't their pastor, and then I became their pastor again. But there, there's all kinds of stuff that I've, I've, I think that uh, maybe, maybe some of what was said will help uh, you to I, kind of figure out why things happen the way they do around here. But I sure do love you. That's, that's for sure. Amen. Is that it? Or do you have a question, Andrew? I was going to say, I remember early on, like, at Winter's Church, something that really resonated in me, is, and you would always say it, and I think it's part of the 10 simple steps to following yeah. the Holy Ghost, but it's being willing to make mistakes. Yes. And I think that's what probably a lot of people are reluctant about, is they're afraid to make mistakes, but, I mean... I can remember there, and this is times in worship where, I mean, I can literally, literally remember, and a lot of pro pro people probably can too, I would be like, let's start this song over, <laughs> like in the middle of it because I made a mistake or somebody made a mistake, but it's a safe, this is a safe place to do it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a safe place to, to make those mistakes as you're trying to follow after what the Spirit tells you. So, amen. Amen. Thank you. That's, that's right. Be willing to make mistakes. You know why? You're going to make them. It's trial and error. Uh, yeah. No reason to be ashamed. We all make them. Heck, I made them right here in front of y'all. Didn't even try to hide it. Made them on the way to church and told you about it. That's always the best way to deal with it. Just put it out. You know, if you put it out there, then the, the enemy don't have anything to hold over your head. I'm going to tell on you. They'll be like, I'm going to tell on you. Well, if you tell it all, he can't tell nothing. I think that's why I frustrate the enemy in so many ways, because he'd be like, I'm going to tell on you. I'm like, I'm going to tell it first. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, next week, we're going to get started on the armor bearer uh, teaching. We'll only have a couple of weeks to do that. Um, if you're, if you want, if you desire to be a deacon in this church and a deacon, we, we, we spelled it out. A deacon is really someone who serves in the ministry of helps, plays a supporting role. Um, you know, nur the nursery people that work in the nursery, people that work with children, they enable me to be able to do what I do. I don't have to be dealing with the kids. I, I don't know nothing about what goes on back there. You know, I, I've had people ask me questions. Hey, well, can I ask you about the children's ministry? I'm like, I don't know anything about it. You'll have to ask Gaby or Andrew. I know, when, when Rhonda was there, I'm like, you're going to have to talk to Miss Rhonda. I don't even know. Over another building, I didn't even know where the light switches were. I, I didn't know where the light switches were. I didn't know where the brooms were. I didn't know. Someone asked me, they said, I'd like to help. Where are the vacuum cleaners? I'm like, ask Ted. I have no idea. I don't, I don't, even, know how, I don't even know how to turn the lights on. Literally. And uh, I, do know, I do know how to turn on the lights here. But uh, I didn't over there. So, uh, 
that that in, that enables us to do a, you know to do man it, you don't even know there's so much that I'm able to do because people have taken their place and so uh, um, so as deacons deacons that's what they do they serve in the ministry of helps they they help they play a supportive role um, sometimes deacons we we like to appreciate people we like to let people know that they're doing well but sometimes it's better if nobody knows what you're doing oh, yeah. ted's ministry works best when nobody sees it when after Ted is gone, when we're, when we're 150, 200 miles away and someone says, do you realize what Ted did? But they don't see it right in the moment. That's, listen, that's what's crazy. <coughs> but when you're like, dur, 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 I'm taking out the trash. <laughs> you know, that's not really... I would like to nominate myself for member of the quarter. That's not good. That's not good. All right. Hey, Marissa, was that you that nominated you? No, no, I'm just kidding. What did we, we made, we made Hilda the member of the universe. Was that what it was with her Star Wars thing? Anyway. All right. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for all that you've said. Lord, we thank you for all the help that you've given us. Lord, as we go today, go with us. Let your spirit continue to work with us and teach us and help us along these lines. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.